Howdy, howdy once again, and welcome to Keeping Up with the King as we do our daily run through the scripture. We are in the book of Matthew, and we are in Matthew chapter 2. And as I say many times on these daily runs, if you have started here in the middle, if this is your first time with us, I'd encourage you to go back and start at least the season at the beginning and uh, follow these through in, in order, in context, because context is important. They were written in the order they were written in for a reason. And so we want to uh, to take them as they were written so we don't miss stuff. One of the great uh, problems that is often happens with Bible teaching and for Bible students and for those in the church is that they've been taught so many things out of context that they don't even know what the context is. So many people that hear verses said over and over and over and have no idea what that verse where it comes from. Uh, I remember years ago having a group of youth group kids that had grown up in the church and asking them to put a group of 10 names, Bible, uh, people that are found in the Bible, uh, put them in order chronologically. And what we found was that the best score anybody got was one. Everybody got Adam right. Um, he was the first one, but they didn't know uh, the general context, the general order of where things came in biblical history, and in more so, they didn't know what the Bible actually said. And this is becoming an epidemic these days where people know five verses and they pull those verses out of complete context and thinking that they are making a great point or a powerful meme, but they don't actually know the context. So context is important. So I'd encourage you uh, to follow along and, uh, and on your own, you know, hey, study the Bible in context. Um, that's not the only way to study the Bible, of course. We would call that um, we would call that uh, biblical theology, studying the Bible uh, uh, in a in context. There's also what we call systematic theology. Um, systematic theology would be saying, "Hey, we're going to dig into what the Bible says about this topic. We're going to pick out the topic of, say, marriage, and we're going to find everything the Bible says about marriage, or we're going to look at this topic of." Um, of feast days, and we're going to read everything that the Bible says about feast days. Um, that's there's nothing wrong with that. That the, those things are all fine. the The problem is, is when we have no idea about the context of the scripture, and we end up studying not well. We think we're studying, but basically, what we end up getting is sermons or daily devotions that are about a topic that's just picked out of the blue. And those topics are sometimes very good. Uh, sometimes the, the lesson is fantastic, but oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes it's just taken something that the author or the speaker wanted to talk about, and they found a scripture that somewhat supported what they said, even though it's not the context the scripture was given. And it, to me, it's one of those exciting things when you start to read the Bible and you find, hey, oh, I've heard this verse many times. And then you read the context and you're like, oh my gosh, you know what? All this time, I thought this meant something different because I didn't look at the context of which it was being spoken. So all that to say, hey, uh, stick with us as we go through um, in, in order, in context. So we've been reading about this account of the Magi coming to Jerusalem, uh, inquiring about where is born the one who's king of the Jews, born king of the Jews, and how Herod, the one who was ruling at the time, called together the, the leaders and rulers and asked where the Messiah would be born. And they told him Bethlehem. So that's um, that's pretty much where we 
stopped off last time. And one of the things that we've been talking about again is that that Matthew's point is that he is pointing out that Jesus is the king of the Jews. And we start off in chapter one, showing his legal claim to the throne through the line of his father, Joseph, all the way back to David and Abraham. And then we talked about how there's these foreign dignitaries, these magi who come and recognize that he is, again, king of the Jews. Now, here's the next one I think is really cool. It says here that in verse seven, it says, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now we know that uh, Herod's being disingenuous here. We, we, Most of us have read the story before. If you haven't, he's being disingenuous. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that Herod says a couple of things in here. Number one, I don't know if you caught this. He says, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Go and search carefully carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring word back to me that I may come and worship him. And so Herod here, though he's being disingenuous about his uh, intentions, we don't know um, if he's just lying about what he thinks. Does he really recognize that? that, hey, if you find this one who was born king of the Jews, he's worthy of worship. He's the Messiah. But one way or another, he makes a statement to these foreign these foreign folks that he's in agreement that this is the one who's born king of the Jews. Now, what's the what's the um what's the importance of that? Well we said before we have the testimony of Jesus uh, genealogy. We have the testimony of these foreign dignitaries, and now we have the testimony of the acting king, that he as acting king is not born king. There is another who is born king, and whether he's being disingenuous or not, his statements are true, that there's one who's born king of the Jews, and his statement as king means something. He's recognizing that uh, that he is not the one born king of the Jews, that there's another. And so, again, as Matthew's making his point, he continually brings up these different testimonies that Jesus is the king of the Jews. One of them is Herod, who was uh, the king at the time. All right, so he says, it says, he sent them to Bethlehem. He says, go search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Now, notice he says, he says, search carefully for the young child. Now, this is one of those, again, speculatory things, but it is interesting. I think there's evidence here that perhaps we could say that the star first appeared to these wise men um, perhaps two years earlier because it says uh, when Herod had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, right? And, he's, and he says, go and search carefully for the young child, not the baby, the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may worship him also. And so we're going to see something that's going to happen later on where he is going to seek to to uh, to kill all the young children, all the young boys, um, and of what age? Two years and younger. And so uh, that's some that that's some speculation. But again, it's it's there's some evidence that would make you say, okay, well that makes sense, right? That makes sense that that at this point perhaps Jesus was was as as old as two years old by the time uh, word came to him. Most of us, we don't think of it that way because in our mind, Jesus is still um, 
laying in a manger with sheep and pigs and goats and donkeys and whatever other uh, nativity scene characters you have in your set gathered around and the uh, shepherds are there and there's you know a couple of angels and there's the wise men the three guys and maybe a camel or two but that's nativity scene and that's not what actually we see in the account and so we have to be careful we have to be careful that our 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 view is a biblical view and not a storybook view and it's a common thing because oftentimes the artists um they want to draw it as simple as possible you don't want to drive 500 wise men you want to drive three guys with crowns on it's just easier you know uh, another example of this is like the story of noah in the story of noah i don't know how many times i've talked to kids about the story of noah and i've asked this question um, how many how many sheep did Noah bring on the ark? And they'll yell, two. How many birds did Noah bring on the ark? And they always yell out, two. And I say to them, are you sure? Yes, they're all sure. They're all positive. But when you read the Bible, you find out that, hey, you know what? That's not actually what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says at all. And so, hey, let's um let's see what the Bible says just for just for kicks, right? Um, and so, uh, if we look at Genesis chapter six, in Genesis chapter six, um, it says that. Let's see here. I'll just get down to the end here. It says. Uh, God's saying to, to Noah, he says, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you. And they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind, the animals after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourselves of all food that is eaten. You shall gather for yourself, but it shall be food for you and for them. So that's what Noah does. But if you read chapter seven, it says this. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and your household. Behold, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And you shall take with you seven, each of every clean animal, a male and his female, to each of animals that are unclean, a male and a female. Also, seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. So, again, you might not have known that. I know a lot of people that don't know that because we look at the pictures, we read the Bible storybooks, we heard the Christmas stories, we hear the kids' songs, and we haven't actually paid close attention and read what it actually says. So uh, I don't want to ruin Christmas for you. I don't want to ruin Christmas songs for you, but I do want to do this. I want to ruin things that are not true for you. And uh, I want us to be grounded in the truth because truth is important. Truth matters. Truth matters. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.